Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson. I'm the managing editor of Reader Views in Austin, Texas. And today it is March the 4th, 2009, and welcome to episode number 81 in our series. Tonight's topic is Lighting a Fire with Amazon Kindle ebook reader. And our very special guest who will be joining us this hour is Victor Goldman. Actually, he's also my regular co-host on this show, so it's a real pleasure to interview him today on one of his expert experts that he has. So um, you can learn more about our guest on Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. So please send your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, a little about Victor. He began his writing career in the late 1980s while he was writing a computer programming journal such as Windows Developer's Journal and, the other print, and many other print publications that have been obsoleted since the web was born. He authored two computer programming books in the mid-1990s before finding out that writing for Fortune 500 companies was not really terribly profitable. In 2003, he formed Loving Healing Press out of a community project in a self-expression and leadership program course at Landmark Education. Since then, Loving Healing Press has gone on to publish dozens of cutting-edge books that promote its mission of redefining what is possible for healing mind and spirit. As such, he has produced a series of books on traumatic incident reduction as well as empowering other authors in a wide range of helping areas, including trauma recovery, self-esteem, physical disabilities, sexual abuse, recovery, and much more. He produces regular podcasts for Authors Access and Unbreak Your Health show. In 2007, Loving Healing Press spun off a new imprint called Modern History Press, and it's dedicating to empowering authors to speak about surviving conflict and seeking identity in modern times. When not publishing, Victor enjoys spending time with his wife, Marion, an author in her own right. Victor has personally converted more than 20 books to Amazon Kindle ebook reader. Hi, Victor. Hi, Irene. Thanks for the intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, quite an intro. You've been around the block quite a bit in this publishing industry, and uh, so it's really always great to talk to you because you have a lot of expertise to give us. Yeah, I have my fingers in a lot of pies. <laughs> no kidding, and I uh, have to say, I've learned a lot from you, too, over the last three years that I've known you, so I appreciate that, and I know that tonight you're going to really give us a lot of information on the Amazon Kindle, something that has sprouted several years ago and um, is making it big in the uh, industry. But before we go any further, Victor, explain to us, what is Amazon Kindle? Right. If you haven't seen one of these things up close, then it might be a little mysterious. The Amazon Kindle ebook reader was released on November 21st, 2007, which makes it just about 16 months ago. The first production run was sold out in five and a half hours after its announcement on Amazon.com, according to its longtime CEO, Jeff Bezos. Shortly thereafter, you could see it on eBay for $100 over list price. So here is something that was clearly uh, in a lot of demand. However, there have been critics, especially with the first generation Kindle. It was ridiculed by computer industry experts 
who branded it with various epithets from ugly to zany, and one person even called it a bit sad. However, this hasn't discouraged consumers who've been wanting something like this for a decade or more, an e-book reader that made sense. They've been voting with their pocketbooks to the tune of 6% of Amazon total book revenues. Now, Amazon is a $10 billion company, so, and I'm not sure how much of that $10 billion is books, but still, 6% is, is a lot. Now, the Kindle can deliver your blogs and newspapers to you without you ever leaving the comfort of your own bed, something that even your own dog can't do for you. Since, <laughs> since its release, with a hefty retail price of $399, uh, they've come down a little bit. It seems to have a permanent 10% price reduction, went into effect about six months ago, down to 359 and they've even held on to this price with the brand-new uh, Amazon Kindle 2, which we'll talk about later. Well, is this actually the first ebook reader of its kind? Oh, no, I'd say it's uh, just as... For example, the Palm Pilot wasn't the first uh, handheld computer. There were a lot of others that kind of failed to take off. There have been a lot of uh, customized uh, e-book readers out there. I think Sony might have been the first big company to really try it, and maybe I'd say about 10 years ago. It's always been a question of weight and readability and battery life, but uh, all those hurdles have been finally solved mainly by a new technology, which they call electronic ink, which, unlike a traditional LCD display, it requires absolutely no power to maintain a fixed image. So you can have a, an image of a page up there for 10 minutes, and it only uses power when it draws the image the first you know, fraction of a second. So, gosh, how many candles are there out there? Well, now that's a big, a big, big secret. Uh, they've managed to keep it under wraps pretty well, but according to the economies of scale and and the people who are experts on manufacturing electronic devices tell us that in order to introduce it at 3.99, they must have produced on the order of 50,000 units of the first Kindle, and we know spring about a year ago, about 12 months ago there was another major delivery. So it could have been maybe 20, 30, 40,000 more units. So I think we're looking at, uh, the, peop- the, f- the figure I like to use is around 100,000 units as of today. Wow. So Kindle really took over from the others, like you say, Sony had uh, some, some versions. So Kindle really exploded. But w- why do you think this, why is it Kindle that was became all of a sudden so popular as opposed to the original Sony ebook reader? Right, that's a good question. There was a couple of factors that tied into it. One technological advantage that no one had ever tried really for any consumer electronic device was the so-called uh, whisper net, which uh, basically rides along the so-called 3G cell phone networks. So actually, your Amazon Kindle is using cell phone frequencies to download books for you. But it happens very slowly, relatively speaking. To download 100,000 words of text maybe takes a few seconds, okay? So it doesn't require you to have a service contract like whenever you buy a cell phone, right? You've got to sign up for a two-year commitment of $30 a month and so on, but... Amazon struck a deal with the wireless network providers, 
and they're paying some undisclosed sum to keep your Amazon on the air. So anywhere you can get cell phone reception, you can order up a book. And that's a lot different than having to dock it with your PC and sit there and, you know, like a thumb drive. And it just has a complete autonomy, which is something we haven't seen before. And uh, everyone is comfortable buying stuff from Amazon. So they're sort of the the iTunes, if you will, of the book world. So they sort of had the infrastructure available and the delivery mechanism, it's just kind of all landed together and they got lucky. But no kidding, I had no idea that they used telephone frequency for this, so that's uh, interesting. That's another reason that they, they can't really sell them outside North America because the cellular net, they don't have the same deal with, you know, carriers in Europe. <laughs> You can't get them shipped outside the U.S. As far as I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure about that. Yeah, I don't know about Canada because um, our cell phones, you know, our cell phones work there. So I just kind of, it's possible that um, they are able to do uh, sell them there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so gosh, I mean, this is really just taking sweeping the world here, or United States anyway. Any idea how many books are actually on available for Kindle? That's the one statistic that they really tout, and you see it at the top of their webpage. They launched in you know late 2007 with 90,000 titles, and that's a that's a pretty deep catalog uh, for anything if you want to think about it. So apparently, you know, they probably had red carpet deals with a lot of the the top five or ten publishers, you know, helping them prep their files for maybe six to 12 months in advance. And then so they started with day one because a lot of these ebook readers really suffered from a chicken or the egg problem, especially if they use proprietary uh, book formats, which is something we can talk a little bit about later. Uh, anyway, so they, uh, the growth rate has been up to 10,000 titles per month. In June of last year, they hit the 130,000 title mark. And the report I read this month was at 240,000 titles, which seems like a lot. But as you know, the current output of the book industry is roughly about 240,000 titles per year. So you could say that, you know, they have the capability to just stay even with the tide. But even even so, compare that to the Library of Congress, which gets uh, 500,000 items per year, and has 32 million books in its collection. So, you know, we've got a ways to go before we have the sum total of human knowledge. But it's impressive for what it is. Well, I think it is, too, and you're right. You know, I noticed when uh, Amazon first put out Kindle and um, the books that were out and available for the unit were actually, a lot of them were from the huge publishers. So they must have made some type of a deal with them to upload a lot of their books as part of probably the beta testing. Yeah, I'm quite certain that uh, there were several, uh, you know, uh, blue chip customers in there. I, I can't remember the names of the, the people who were involved. Yeah, I do, because some of the books that we had reviewed, I did see them immediately available. So. The, the statistic they like to bandy about is usually about 95 to 97% of the New York Times bestsellers are are available. And let's face it, you know, that's what 80% of the people are buying anyway. So, gosh, uh, Richard, can uh, self-publishers or small presses, let's say like yourself, 
really compete on this uh, Kindle pro platform. That's really one of the most interesting aspects of this whole technology, that the Kindle has completely leveled the playing field for self-published authors and small presses in a way that hasn't been seen since the introduction of the Internet itself. It's even better than, uh, dare we say, print-on-demand, because there's no fee for authors to get their books set up on Kindle. And once they're on Kindle, they look just the same as all the books by hundreds of other publishers. In other words, if I write a novel and I upload it, it looks just as good as Stephen King's latest novel in terms of typesetting and readability and text flow. I would defy anyone to to point out the differences. And there are some apocryphal stories of some people selling up to 20,000 copies of their book on Kindle. I suspect that's more of a multi-level marketing type thing going on there. And I think the average Kindle title maybe moves, um, that's going to be a tough question, between 10 and 100 copies per year. Uh, It's a revenue stream, however, that's only going to grow. And one of the really cool things is that the Kindle users can download a free preview of your book. And they just expanded that not only to Kindle books, but anyone who's participating in the Search Inside the Book program, uh, their text, they can download a fragment to someone's Kindle. So that's a, a big plus for upselling from ebooks to printed books. So you can, you can get started yourself as an author through their do-it-yourself site, which is, I'm going to say, only for the very, very brave. Or you can get an experienced team to optimize the reading experience for you. Well, you know, I've heard little horror stories of people trying to do this, and it just totally, unless you're savvy on a lot of the uh, techie kind of verbiage and stuff, that it sometimes gets to be confusing. So I agree it's a good idea to get someone to do this stuff professionally for you. Now, so, okay, I'm an author. I don't have my book in Kindle yet. Can I do it today? Well, hold your horses first. (laughs) If you're not a self-published author and your book has been published in the last five years or so, the odds are very high that you don't actually own the rights to produce an electronic text. You'll need to read your publishing contract very carefully to make sure you haven't ceded those rights directly or indirectly. For example, there may be an all-inclusive clause saying, All formats the publisher wishes to utilize, or it might say vaguely print and other types of media, uh, or it might say e-books directly. Like like every other type of product, development costs time and therefore money. Uh, It's less time than putting out a book, but someone still has to be paid to do the work for the publisher. So so publishers won't always be kicking out uh, the Kindle books at least for the next couple of years, you know, they're, they're going to pick and choose. Well, yeah, and we've run into this. As, uh, as you know, we have a team that does uh, the optimization on uh, Kindle and puts uh, the e-books up for authors. And we've had several authors that approach us to do this, but their specific publisher refused to give them the right to actually put their book on Kindle, which... You know, it, it was disappointing, very disappointing for the authors because here we are, this is a big deal, you know, Kindle. People are buying Kindle, all these, the buzz is out there, and yet the publishers are sitting down. 
there's no way that you have the rights to do this. And so here they are, stuck. Yeah, uh, it it could be, you know, at best embarrassing, and at worst it could put you in a legal battle with your own publisher. So, uh, exactly. Might have someone else read your contract for you just, just to get a second opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's a real good point. So you just briefly said, you know, or we talked about that there are issues. There's sometimes issues that uh, if, if you don't know what you're doing. So can you actually... You know, tell us what some of the issues could be. Right. Uh, they're kind of nice in terms of the inputs to the Amazon Kindle system. They will accept a lot of different file formats, including most of the popular ones out there, such as HTML, uh, PDF, and Word. And I'll just take a few minutes to talk about some of the ups and downs. The, the bad news is that, that PDF is the worst of the lot. Unfortunately, most authors have gone past the word file stage, and when they're producing their printed book, they start making the corrections in the PDF stage of production. So it's happened to me on several occasions that they tell me, well, you know, my Word document was pretty good, but, you know, we, we did a galley and we did a proof and we changed some stuff. So my Word document no longer is the latest version of my book. The PDF is, and this, this happens a lot. Uh, now, PDFs have uh, special issues uh, because, well, Word documents can be easily converted to HTML. The most important thing that Word documents have that PDF documents don't have without boring everybody is that in Word, you definitely know where the end of a paragraph is. I mean, there's a little, that funny P with the two, two feet, right? <laughs> <laughs> but in PDF, there's no such notion. So... It has an algorithm where it tries to discover uh, where the start and end of the paragraphs are. And it's, I think it's only about 90% successful, which means uh, from end to end, you're going to have to scan your book from end to end to look for all of these potential uh, paragraph blunders. And literally, uh, it starts each new paragraph like most books do with a little small indent. So you can have someone's speech interrupted in the middle and... Uh, Customers, when they see books with misformatting, will often, uh, apparently there's a couple of clicks you can get your money back, and in one author I worked with, they actually pulled his title from the system. They deleted it because there had been enough complaints, and that's kind of embarrassing. So when you're inputting a PDF, uh, the, the Kindle system is going to convert everything to HTML, so it's doing a PDF to HTML conversion and you get issues with uh, Unicode characters. This is getting really technical. But things that you see in your document like smart quotes, those little curly quotes that aren't straight up and down, and things like um, maybe French words that we use in English that have an, a grave accent or uh, an umlaut, all of these things... Uh, strangle the, the Kindle converter and it gives you an obscure error message. So you've got to clean all of these uh, funny characters out of your document. And that will take you between, usually between two and eight hours, even if you've written your own software to, to help you. So the bottom line is most people can probably get pretty good results with Word, but PDF is going to take a lot of patience. Wow, I had no idea, um, you know, being I've never done one myself, we have a team that does that, and my goodness, uh, 
had no idea that it was that complicated. Yeah, so if you, what most people don't realize is that Kindle is basically a little tiny web browser, and everything it's showing on its screen is, is HTML. And the problem is, you know, PDF, if you shrink a PDF, it just gets smaller. It, it doesn't know how to wrap text like HTML web pages do. So that's why you can't really view a PDF file in its natural format on the Kindle. And we'd like to interrupt our broadcast for just a moment to announce our first collaborative book, Authors Access, 30 Success Secrets for Authors and Publishers, edited by Irene Watson, Tyler Tischlar, and me, Victor Volkman. This book contains the distilled wisdom of more than two dozen guests to our show in an easy-to-read, easy-to-understand reference, organized into chapters that reflect the life cycle of your books. Authors Access, 30 Success Secrets for Authors and Publishers, lets you learn about the best practices and avoid pitfalls in writing, editing, cover design, marketing, book reviews, online presence, genre and children's books, and many other key topics. As a special thank you to it, we'll include a free Best of Authors Access CD-ROM jam-packed with MP3 files from all our shows. And for more information about the book, just go to our homepage, www.authorsaccess.com, and click on Success Secrets in the upper left corner. And now we return you back to our show. Kindle 2, the big buzz. Now they've got Kindle 2, so tell us about Kindle 2. Yeah, we scheduled this show uh, even before Kindle 2 was really announced. They kept their wraps on that baby until the very, very last minute. It pretty much fixes what all of the complaints were about the first generation. It's definitely not clunky. This one weighs in at 10 ounces, and it's a third of an inch thick. So it's probably roughly the heft of a National Geographic magazine, I would say. It's still not something that you're going to stuff in a purse, but... If you've got an attache case or any sort of bag, it will fit fine in there. In, and they've really done wonders with the battery life. I believe it's about doubled. You can now get up to four days' worth of reading on a single charge. And, you know, I can't imagine. I suppose you could be on a cruise or stranded on a desert island, but most people could probably recharge every four days. Right. <laughs> And then, and that's all because of that electronic ink technology, which we we hinted at. It also has uh, MP3 player features, but let's face it, everything comes with an MP3 player. Most new cell phones do, and I even bought a flash drive for twenty bucks that was also an MP3 player. So that's it's nice, but it's not what you're buying it for. Yeah, there's another buzz, and that's text to speech. Right. This was a big shocker, and they sort of branded it as one of their experimental features, and it really... I haven't seen such a big firestorm since the big um, controversy about Google displaying uh, scanning books that they hadn't explicitly had permission to display. And it's kind of a similar issue uh, when you think about how much money is going into audiobooks. I listened to a sample 
of the text-to-speech. And frankly, you know, it's a little better than, you know, HAL 9000 from 2001, A Space Odyssey. And it, it sort of sounds a little bit like Stephen Hawking, the physicist. But, you know, if I was in the car on a 12-hour road trip, it w- I would be fine with that uh, that voice. So specifically, the Authors Guild, which is sort of a uh, professional society of writers, issued a statement about the text-to-speech feature uh, because it frankly st- stands to do a lot of damage to the audiobook market. And authors who would be getting royalties from the sale of each audiobook are not getting a penny when someone buys what looks like an ebook but is actually read out loud as a audiobook. So it's sort of doing an end run around what they thought were their their royalties. Um, let me just look. There was an editorial called The Kindle Swindle in the New York Times by Roy Blunt Jr., who is president of the Authors Guild, and he says basically, yes, Kindle 2 is not paying anyone for audio rights. True, you can buy software that will read aloud whatever's on your computer, but the Kindle 2 is being sold specifically as a new, improved uh, multimedia version of books. So every title is, in fact, an ebook and an audiobook. Whereas ebooks are still fighting for mainstream acceptance, audiobooks are a billion dollar market. So there's a, there's a figure to think about. And audio rights aren't generally packaged with ebook rights. I mean, any ebook right, any ebook you buy, it doesn't sort of give you that. And they're actually they're more valuable property than ebook rights. There are some authors who, you know, make a good chunk of their their livelihood off of audiobooks and it will never uh, never equal the quality of Jim Dale reading Harry Potter, but it's good enough for a lot of people. Yeah, of course. And like you say, if you're on a road trip or you know, on a plane or something, that it works. Yeah. So they they may be pulling. Well, they actually did announce something a couple of days ago that, uh, in conjunction with this, that they're allowing publishers to opt out. I believe. Oh, really? So if you want to say that, you know, you may not uh, give people the lo- the ability to listen to audiobooks of our ebooks. So. Well, it kind of puts that back on the uh, authors, though. And. Um, so, how much are our Kindle books? Well, it's on average. Yeah, it seems like they've been targeting basically nine dollars and ninety-nine cents as as the sweet spot. Originally, their guidance to publishers was to price the eBooks at sixty percent of the list price of the printed book. So, a twenty-dollar printed book would be uh, like twelve dollars. But in fact, most people don't seem to be willing to pay more than 9.99 although you'll see occasional promotional items down around $2.99 i can't remember off the top of my head what the minimum price is but i think it's around a dollar or 75 cents one th- trick that i tried was actually uh, unbundling a book and if you're Say producing like an anthology of short stories or even a nonfiction book, what you can do is you can slice and dice it into twelve chapters and create twelve ebooks, and the title of each ebook becomes the title of what the chapter was. So that gives you more like you know Google hit space because you've got more keywords and people can buy the book in installments. It's an interesting uh, thing. I haven't spent that much time 
investigating it other than to say it does work. So the uh, the bad news, I guess, if there's any bad news to be had, is that Amazon takes 65% off of the ebook price as their profit. So your 9.99 ebook means that uh, Amazon is taking about 6.50, and then the publisher gets 3.50, and then the uh, author gets some percentage of that. So uh, even though it's an electronic book, that doesn't mean that there's a big gold mine out there, especially if you're uh, working with another publisher. Uh, and that's always been true throughout the ebook industry. There's a lot of that's one of the annoying bits about uh, the non-Kindle sort of traditional ebooks out there that you buy as PDF files. There's all these uh, ebook stores out, and you have to basically strike a deal with every single ebook store to have your book listed. You know, fill out their contract, fax it in, and they all ask for at least 50% of list price. So it's like everybody knows that there's a lot of markup, but you don't get to keep it. <laughs> yeah. So do you think because of this that to actually Kindle 2 or who knows what version they'll come up with, they'll probably be perfecting it as they go along, it's sort of going to be the, the next big buzz in this publishing industry and the reading industry? What do you think? Well, there's some some challenging platforms coming out. I saw one whose name I can't recall, which was a two page at a time reader, and that's really kind of uh, compelling because there's a lot of things like textbooks where you want to, you know, read the left page and then read the right page. You know, we're used to scanning left to right, and we'll also see uh, new technologies coming out. They've been talking for years about the. Uh, the roll-up display. They've built essentially LCD-type displays that you can roll up like a scroll, stick in a tube, and you can unroll, and they're, they read just as good as your laptop screen. So that's another technology that's coming down the pipeline. But the strangest thing, and it's really starting to bug me, is that Kindle is going against the grain of the so-called digital convergence. Now, we're starting to see this a lot. Uh, it's not just a pie-in-the-sky idea. For example, take movies. You can watch uh, a Hollywood movie on your computer, on your phone, or on your TV uh, through Netflix, right? If you have Netflix, you can legally watch. Uh, their catalog is up to 40,000 titles. And at home, I have a little box called a Roku, which is connected to my TV and my internet, so I can order up movies on Netflix watch them on my TV, and they look just as good as, yeah, more or less, as if I went down to Blockbuster and bought a disc. But uh, compare this to Kindle. I mean, you buy a Kindle book uh, from Amazon for your Kindle, and you can't, you know, a, you can't read it on your PC. You can't email it to your friend. You can't display it on your TV. The Kindle is a fully closed platform, and that's what the people, you know, the sort of well, the fringe lunatics who criticize the platform for being too closed. So you're never going to get content from your Kindle back onto your laptop, your TV, or your phone. That means that you've got to take it with you wherever you go. Uh, that's the one point. The second point is there are competing things in this price point. We're talking three hundred and sixty dollars. 
and the new generation of laptops called netbooks. If you haven't seen these, they started like everything great does in Japan, and they're absolutely taking over the net, uh, taking over the um, the marketplace. These are little laptops with nine or ten inch screens. They weigh about two pounds, and they run Windows XP. They're just like a real computer. They have wireless internet, webcams, audio, gigabyte of memory, and some of them even have pretty big hard drives. And all of these cost less than the Kindle, too. For example, I just bought one of these netbooks for my wife for, it was on sale at buy.com for about $2.90. So if you can surf the whole World Wide Web, do you really want to lug around this ebook reader? Uh, it's not as compelling as it was. So if they don't want to play the convergence game and allow you to share your Kindle, you know, on your laptop, then they're going to be in sort of a, a race to to get all the features that netbooks have, like the ability to watch movies in color, for example. Uh, the Kindle is still black and white, although they've upgraded the quality of the black and white display. So I just find that interesting. I mean, the Kindle 2 is at a great price. It's a great product, and yet... You know, if you only have $350 of discretionary income, you've got to decide, do I want this ebook reader or do I want a really cool netbook? That's a point, too, and um, that's for sure. The other point is there's still people that want to hold a real book. They want to be able to hold it here. You know, <laughs> read a book. I don't have a Kindle. I don't have an ebook reader. And, you know, I'm, it just doesn't interest me at this point. However... People that do have them love them, and you know uh, they have all kinds of reasons. So this is great, and of course there's a market for them because of people liking them. Yeah, and it could be you know you remember well anyway they originally predicted that television was going to be the death of the book, you know, and it survived that, and I think it'll survive ebooks too. And that's good because we do we do like the feel of paper under our fingers. Exactly, exactly. You know, also it's interesting. Now, I don't think that the media uses the Kindle, but uh, they must use some other ebook readers. We're finding now that the press releases that we distribute that the downloads are onto their ebook readers rather than they used to be onto a PC. Somehow or another, a distributor can log that. And what's interesting is there are about three or four times as many downloads onto the ebook readers than there is just, you know, as a PDF download. So I would imagine probably eventually maybe Kindle will have expanded use also, not only just for reading. Yeah, it may eventually evolve into a nice sort of uh, web surfing platform, and who knows, five years from now, maybe ebook will be the smallest part of the Kindle platform. You know, if it becomes like your personal assistant that you run your whole life on, and it has your day timer, and maybe it has a built-in cell phone, or who knows what. Uh, well, the way the, the whole industry, the electronic industry and digital industry is moving, they could be you know, right now working on the next Kindle 3, and we just don't know what's going on. I wouldn't put it past them. So, gosh, this has been really interesting. Victor, do you have anything that we have uh, not covered that you'd like to share? Is there anything else that... Um 
I'm I'm still you know on the fence as to whether to to commit all of my energy in, into ebooks because you know you have to to choose your niche as a publisher and I feel for the moment you know sticking to printed books is where I want to concentrate my marketing focus as opposed to ebooks and audio books it's just you you have to draw the line somewhere and eventually you know I may I may look back and and say what was I thinking you know everything needs to be an ebook but that's where I am today. Yeah, and that's a good place. So, do you actually have some of your books converted into uh, Kindle? I actually uh, had did a couple. You know, I signed up as a Kindle developer within a, maybe ten days of when they released it, and um, just you know, more more sort of out of a kick the tires, let's see how this works kind of thing. And for those people who don't know. Uh, there's basically an online Kindle simulator as you're developing and tweaking, uh, optimizing, as we say, the look and feel of your book. For example, uh, maybe the the size of graphics in the printed book isn't really doesn't really fit the right size of the screen. So you may want to you may want to tweak the graphics. You may want to experiment with font sizes. The Kindle seems to want everything to be the same font size but all of these things you can do on their online kindle simulator and it doesn't cost anything other than your time well when you're talking about two to eight hours i mean that's eight hours but several days work really yeah 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 but uh, you know in some cases it's probably worth it so so victor how can um, people get a hold of you if they want to uh, know more about uh, optimizing their kindle books well, the best way is to uh, use my uh, personal email, I guess, victor at lhpress.com. That's the shortest email address I have, and I'll be happy to answer people's questions. There's a lot of service bureaus out there. Uh, I haven't done the research lately, but there's all kinds of pricing structures. Uh, for the most part, they're based on the number of pages in your book and be sure to get at least three or four quotes because you may see quotes between a hundred and five hundred dollars uh, to do the conversion. And they basically all do the same thing. Yeah, well, it's they do the same thing, but you don't really know how much care and attention they're going to pay to your product until you see the end result. So. Uh, uh, make sure, you know, if possible, get referrals from authors who've used their service that can say, you know, yes, they, it's a great facsimile of, of the original or, gee, I wish they could have done X, Y, and Z. Uh, one of the things that I forgot to mention is that the Amazon Kindle does, it's based on HTML, but it's a very, very small set of HTML. In fact, it doesn't support tables. So, if you have a lot of tables in your book, you may be out of luck unless you do what I did for a couple cases, which is to convert the tables into bitmaps, you know, literally taking a screen capture of the table as it looks in Word or Acrobat and then converting that into a JPEG file. I mean, those are the sorts of things that I would call going the extra mile. No kidding, no kidding. Well, gosh, thank you very much, Victor. This has been um, enlightening, and I'm sure that our listeners uh, are finding this information really 
worthwhile, and especially if they're still kind of wondering whether or not they should convert their book into uh, Kindle. So I appreciate you taking the time and uh, giving us all your expertise. Well, you're welcome. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to share some of my hard-won street wisdom. <laughs> well, you know, street wisdom has so much power. It's like, you know, <laughs> you've been there, you've done that. And probably have a T-shirt for it, too. So it's like, you know, this is where the expertise comes from and not from a book, but from actual experience. So thank you again. And you've been listening to another broadcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. We'll be back on the air on March 18th when our topic will be Marketing Roundtable. And believe it or not, this is where Victor and I will be discussing topics and issues that we've experienced over the past few years and we'll be just covering all kinds of things. And basically, what we're going to be covering is little issues that we don't really need a full broadcast time for. So we'll be covering, as I say, a lot of things. And we would love to hear from you about tonight's show or any other show that uh, we've done. So please send us your questions and your comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Read Abuse and Loving Healing Press. For Rita Buse, this is Irene Watson in Austin, Texas, wishing you all a good evening.